Have you ever wondered why God allows adversity in your life? Maybe you're experiencing challenges or feel stuck, unable to grow in faith or realize your dreams, and you're starting to question if you're even on the right path. Well, what if I told you that your biggest setbacks could be your greatest setups for a breakthrough? In episode 106 of the Created to Thrive podcast, my good friend and guest, the phenomenal Shana Rattler is here, and we are going to dig into overcoming obstacles and facing life's adversities head on. We're talking about pulling yourself out of a rut and turbocharging your life to reach your God-given destiny. You are going to love this podcast because Shana Rattler is an executive ordained prophet, author, and speaker who empowers individuals and organizations to move from difficult seasons into greater possibility. She has helped thousands of individuals and organizations around the world achieve personal growth and organizational excellence. She and her businesses have received multiple awards, and she's published several books and has been featured in over 450 media outlets. She is a marketing executive for a leading technology company and hosts a God Shift podcast and a God Shift with Shana Rattler TV show. So if you've ever felt stuck, overwhelmed, or like you're not living your true purpose, then you cannot afford to miss this episode. We're going to talk about how your past experiences aren't shackles, but stepping stones for your personal growth. Why do we even need God shift moments in our lives? And why does God allow these things to happen? What are some practical steps and spiritual practices to partner with God so we can move forward? And we're also going to help you find hope and healing from negative past experiences. And be sure to listen to the end because Shana's going to offer you her transformative free guide, When God Says Shift. And that's going to kickstart your personal growth journey and help you navigate those confusing crossroads in life. I also have a free gift for you because in this episode, Shana's going to mention the importance of declaring I am statements over yourself. And I already have a free PDF for you to download with some I am statements and scriptures that are going to help you grow and you can implement those right away. So go grab that at lauriksnider.com forward slash resources. And there you can find the I am statements. Your life won't change unless you make a move. So grab a notebook and join our conversation now as we help you shift your mindset to transform your life and thrive like never before. Welcome to Created to Thrive. I'm your host, Lori Snyder. If you desire a deeper connection with God, want to know your value and purpose, then you, my friend, are in the right place. I will teach God's word in a simple and practical way to equip and empower you to become who he created you to be because you were created to thrive. All right, friends, I have a special treat for you today. I have my friend Shana Rattler on the podcast today. Shana is the founder of a God Shift movement and is committed to helping individuals and organizations fully experience the power of God so they can move from different seasons into greater possibility. So welcome, Shana. 
I'm so excited to be here. Laura, you are like my sister from another mister. Our messages are very similar. I think our missions are very similar. And so like you said, I am the founder of a God shift movement. And what the heck does that mean? And so for me, my definition of a God shift is just the moment that you're going along with your plans, everything it is that you think that you're supposed to be doing in life, oftentimes even what you know God has told you to do in life. And then you get hit with what I call a what in the hell is going on moment. (laughs) Nothing seems to work. And that moment when disruption hits your life, it has the opportunity to collide with God's purpose if you let it. But then that moves you into greater realms of possibility. And so that's who I am. I have a podcast myself. I have a television show. I have a ton of books. You can go find all of that. It's it's all out there on the website and all on um, Instagram. But I'm just a person that is committed to helping other people, especially other women, be able to manifest their fullest potential. And in order for us to be able to do that, we have to learn learn how to respond when disruption and disappointments and doubts and delays and detours come our way. Because if they haven't come yet, my grandmother used to say, just keep living. They're coming. Yes, we uh, we are definitely kindred spirits. And I am so excited to meet you. I get to meet you in person next week yes. as you're a next keynote week. speaker for the Spark Media Conference. And what you just said about overcoming those obstacles and we're going to face adversity. You know, we think somehow that because we have Jesus as our savior and Lord, that everything's just going to be so easy. And, um, I hear a lot of times people will will kind of discount what's happening because they'll go, well, God's in control of everything. And what they're really doing is just, um, discounting themselves, discounting what God has put in them and just waiting for something to happen kind of poof. So can you talk about that a little bit about what happens when you're going along and the adversity comes? Well, let me first respond to what you just said. You have a role to play in God's will for your life and churches and preachers, and I'm one of them. So I can talk bad about us if I want to. We don't do a great job of helping our believers or helping our members know what to do when adversity comes because we preach so much about how great God is. And God is great. He's God almighty. He can do whatever it is that he wants to do. He is in control. He even allows, he doesn't create the adversity in our lives, but he does allow it. And we're going to talk about why in a minute. But when we put God on the pedestal that he deserves, without teaching us about what we're capable to do, it puts us in a position where we minimize the authority that we have as children of God. And just like when you're at work or any project that you've ever participated in or any relationship you've ever been in, it's never one person's responsibility or the leader's responsibility to do everything, but that's how we treat God. We sit back and we're just waiting on him to do us. We're just waiting on him to wave his little magic wand and say, well, Lord, you're in control, but he actually desires that we partner with him to get to where it is that he's taking us and who it is that he's asking us to become. So that's the first thing that we have to recognize is that even though God is God all by himself, he does not want to do this thing called destiny all by himself. I had a pastor tell me one time, um, Because people are like, God doesn't need us. Well, he doesn't really need us, but he does want us. And so it's like, I think they said it. I hope I get it right. They said, um, we can't do it without God and God won't do it without us. We have to be a willing participant 
in getting over what it is that we're going through and going to where it is that he's that he's taking us. And now I forgot what question you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Here's the thing. We have free will and God mm-hmm. cannot override our free will. So it's that partnership. So yeah. it's learning t- how to partner with his grace, his enabling power, his favor, his will for us, but also taking that step of faith, which is really believing and trusting God to lead us in the direction we have, because people also will go back to, well, I know God has a plan for me. And so they're just waiting for that plan to kind of just come before them and like magically appear. So, yeah, you you know, the interesting about plans, Lori, is that our plans don't come to life through contemplation. Mm-hmm. Our plans come to life through activation. And so even back when I used to be a business coach and people were like getting ready to get ready. And I was like, but when are you going to start talking about what you're creating? Oh, not until it's done. That's not the way that it works. We don't get anywhere by just contemplating and creating in a vacuum because listen, we don't even really know what we need or what things need to be until we get started. So let's just take a business, for example. If I'm just going to sit here at my desk and only create a program and never have a conversation with the people that could potentially use the program, I don't even really know that that's what they want to need until I start talking to them. So why would I just sit and contemplate the plans that I have for my business without starting to be in some form of action. And it's the same thing with any plan that we have and any plan that God gives us. We can't just sit and contemplate. We have to activate. We have to be in action. And it's not until we take the first step that God is usually going to show us the next step anyway. And so for some of you who are listening, there's so much that you can do with what he already said instead of waiting for what it is that he's going to say next. He's probably not going to. Yeah. Such wise words they are. Do you find that it's that inner dialogue that someone's having that, um, what I found from resiliency coaching is we have these deep emotional needs and desires to be safe and secure for love and connection to be understood and valued. Do you think that's what prevents people from taking that step is because they don't feel in control. They don't know the plan as far as like the whole thing, they may know a step, but that fear grips them and paralyzes yes. them. You know, that's the bad thing about faith is that faith and fear have the same definition. It's believing in something that hasn't happened. Yeah. And so since they're so closely related, it's easy to feed the wrong one. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, even prayer can be a form of fear because sometimes we're really just using prayer as procrastination, <laughs> right? Like I, I think when I pray to God, that he shows up in the forms of opportunities and he shows up in the form of messages and he shows up in so many forms. So if I'm praying for something and then an opportunity comes, why do I need to then go spend more time praying about the opportunity? Why can't I just see the opportunity as an answer to the prayer? So sometimes we're using prayer as a form of procrastination because we're really still in fear. We're still really in doubt. And so, yes, what we think inside, you know, the Bible wasn't playing when it says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And so whatever we think about, we bring about. But unfortunately, many of us don't feel worthy for better. We don't feel worthy for more. Our childhood experiences have shaped our identity and our identity is how we see ourselves. 
And if we don't see ourselves as someone that's worthy for more, is we if we don't see ourselves for somebody that God is willing to do more for, because we look at what he's done for other people. And most of us who believe in God, regardless of your depth of belief, most of us that believe in God and believe that there is a God, we believe that he's able, but how many of us believe that he'll do it for us? And if all of that junk and clutter is in our mind, it's going to be very difficult, number one, for us to hear the instructions that God has for us. And it's going to be almost impossible for us to have the courage to take the steps that he's asking us to take or that you've mapped out on your vision board or that you've mapped out on your, because sometimes thoughts come from ourselves and that doesn't mean they're bad ones. And sometimes they come from God. So whatever it is that we have on, on deck to do, it's very difficult for us to hear what to do and have the courage to do because of all of that inner clutter and junk that for many people have been in their lives since they were children. Yeah. Which is why they need people like you to help them learn how to identify where those blocks are and how to get rid of them so that they can move forward in a powerful way. Yeah. And there's so much in what you just said. I, (laughs) my thoughts are reeling and, and because so much truth and, and depth in what you just said, I have found that it really comes down to two main beliefs, what we believe about ourselves and yeah. what we believe about God. Yeah. And if we don't feel that we are worthy to receive God's best, we won't. Yeah. If we think I'm less than X, Y, Z, because we're comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, which the Bible says is unwise, yeah. but we have this view of God, which I believe goes all the way back to Genesis of God's holding out on you. Yeah. Did God really say it's those thoughts that the whispers, the voices of the accuser that want to come in and get us to doubt God and doubt ourselves and make us do something to prove our identity. Yeah. And that can paralyze us. For sure. I worked for someone one time and she used to say it was like her own mantra but she really made sure that we were aware of it as people that were part of her organization. And she said, I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to defend. I have nothing to hide. Mm. And she really lived by that. And the reason why it was so important was one, she was on a lot of stages and she was well-known in the world. And if she was always trying to prove something, if she always felt like, oh, when I get in the room with people that seems like they're further along or know more than me, I've got something to prove. If she was like, I feel like I have to defend something. And you know, how many times have you been in the room with somebody and it feels like you don't have to, we want to tell them, you don't have to let everybody know everything, you know, like it's good, you know, or we feel like we have to hide something because it then somewhat diminishes who it is that we're trying to show up as all of those things are traps and all of those things are blocks. So adopt that. We don't have anything to prove. We don't have anything to defend and we don't have anything to hide. That is rich. How does someone get there though, Shana? How do they get to that point where they can be in that room and be that secure? I, you know, I would like to say, just do it until it becomes natural, but that's not enough to, to, to help some people have something tangible to hold on to. So create what I call I am statements. Mm -hmm. You have to have a truth that overrides whatever lie pops in your head, right? And um, I'm going to date myself when I say this, but how many of you all remember the Etch-A-Sketch? When I was a child in the 80s, we played with something called an Etch-A-Sketch. And for those of you who are younger than me, an Etch-A-Sketch was this red rectangular thing. It was kind of like the iPad in our days. And it had two little knobs on it and you could draw things. 
Well, when you were done drawing or you made a mistake, you shook it up. And when you shook it, it erased everything that you drew and then you could draw something new. And so when thoughts come into your mind, because I'm a great believer in that we may not be able to stop the thoughts from coming in our mind, but we can stop them from staying. But the only way that we can stop them from staying and the only way that we can begin to practice not having anything to prove, defend, or hide is two things. Number one, we have to have statements that we've already written about ourselves that we know to be true, regardless of what we see around us. What do I know to be true about myself? And then have four or five of those that you write on a post-it note or in your phone, whatever. And then every time a lie comes into your mind, every time a negative thought comes into your mind, literally shake your head just like that Etch-a-Sketch to get rid of that. But then you have to have something to replace it with. So then you're, let's just say, for example, you're like, um, there's no way I'm capable of doing this. You may have had an I am statement that says, I'm ready for whatever the world throws about me, or the Lord prepared me for this before I was born, whatever your I am statement is. Then you shake your head like that at your sketch, and then you say that I am statement. After a while, those things will become habits. But, you know, just start doing it, even if it feels weird, even if it feels strange, even if it feels like I don't even believe what it is that I've written about myself, eventually you will. And eventually God will continue to reveal to you um, Ephesians 2 and 10, where he tells you that we are great workmanship, that he prepared, that he prepared great works that he prepared in advance for us to do. So we really are prepared and we really are ready. Everything we need is everything we already have within us. That's so good. Yeah. We definitely are sisters from another mother because I have used the Etch-a-Sketch analogy. Oh, really? That just means we're, we're both over 45. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm in my fifties. So, uh, and then also too, one day I remember having prayer, which was really complaining to God. And because I wasn't where I wanted to be and I'd had all this opposition and thinking that I was called into ministry, but yet these women ministry leaders and pastors were opposing me. And I just was so discouraged and so dismayed. And I was saying in my prayer time, again, complaining to God, I am not this and I am not that. And I am not this. And all of a sudden he just stopped me and he's like, Lori, is that how I speak? Yeah. And I said, no, you only say I am. And he's like, so why aren't you saying that as well? That's partnering with his truth yes. to become my reality. Yes. And it was such a God shift as so I love your name because it was that God shift to pull my attention to what are my thoughts? Does that align with truth? Yeah. Because that's that course correction. I always say God's my GPS, my God positioning system to get me I back. I literally on say God positioning system. I literally say that. I know. We, <laughs> so that is so important um, that we have the, because we can read about, we have the mind of Christ, but then how do we have that? Well, it's in our born again spirit but we have to partner with God in spirit and truth to really align that, but is really looking at that beliefs of, okay, let God be true and every man a liar. And what my situation is, isn't my true reality yeah. when I partner with God. Yeah. I would love to talk about Lori, if it's okay with you, like yeah. why not, why do we need a God shift? And like, what are some of the signs? Because I think it's important 
that we recognize that the things that happen in our lives, number one, they're not happening to us. They're happening for us and for other people. But so many of us are pursuing the wrong place. And sometimes that place can be a physical place. Maybe it's where you live geographically. Maybe it's you're in a job and you need to be in another job. Maybe you're in a job and you need to be an entrepreneur. Maybe it's in your relationships, your mindset, anything that we're putting energy into that is not on the path that is really intended for us. It's important that something shakes us up to get our attention. So the more traumatic it was that something happened to you, it's just because God knows how you are, just like we know how our children are. I only have one child, but for people who have more than one child, they know what it's going to take to get the attention of each child and what it's, what it may take to get Johnny's attention may not be the same thing that it takes to get Jane's attention. And so I'm the type of person that you can't whisper to me. If you want my attention, you have to hit me over the head with a two by four, if you want my attention. And so when the Lord was calling me to ministry, when I had my very first God shift moment, I was going along business as usual. I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. I, by the age of 28, had built a 3,000 square foot house. I was driving a $65,000 vehicle. I don't say anything to brag, but I say that to say that things were going really well in my life. I was speaking all over the world and the Lord knew since I need her somewhere different, I'm going to have to do something radical to shake her up, to get her attention. So he had to allow everything in my business to dry up. When I say everything, I mean, June and July, I put my mortgage on a credit card. Mm. I probably, let me tell you what I probably did. Cause I don't think mortgage companies and car companies allow you to pay your mortgage on a credit card. So I'm pretty sure that I created an invoice in my business. The IRS is going to get me if they're listening to this, but it's just (laughs) God to honest truth. I put an invoice in my business to myself and I paid my invoice with a credit card and then I paid, <laughs> paid my mortgage through my <laughs> whatever you do what you got to do. But why <laughs> I'm saying all that to say that the things that happen in our lives are because God either needs us to become someone different or he needs us to do something different. He needs us to be somewhere different. Yeah. And so he allows things to happen in our lives. So goes back to the free will thing. If you were raped, no, God didn't say go rape her, but he did allow it to happen, but he allowed it to happen for a greater purpose. But the problem is, is that when we have these God shift moments, God uses these disruptions. He uses this adversity in our lives to become a tool that's going to move us forward in a powerful way. But because of all the things that we've talked about so far and many things that we haven't talked about, those are the very things that keep us stuck because we haven't been taught how to overcome and we haven't been taught how to respond when these interruptions come into our lives. And so I think that's the very first step is that we have to recognize why things are happening in our lives. They're happening for you. They're happening for somebody else. But if we don't recognize that, that's when it used to bother me to the point of like, indignation. When I would be at a conference, it was usually a women's conference because most men don't cry at, at live events, but there would be a woman who was at the stage to ask a question or whatever, and she's boohoo crying. 
And I find out that she's boohoo crying about something that happened to her 40 years ago. Now, I'm not saying this to diminish what happened to her 40 years ago, but I am saying that something should not be affecting you now in, in as powerful of a way as it affected you 40 years ago. My pastor said at Bible study last night, if when you're telling a story, if it still brings up the same level of negative emotion that it did back when it happened, you haven't healed from it. You haven't been delivered from it. And it still has a stronghold on you because there's a difference in a foothold and a stronghold. And if something is still having the same negative effect on you way down the line as it was when it happened, then you haven't healed and you haven't you haven't been made whole. And so you need to get the spiritual and the physical help that you need, because sometimes we need practical advice. Sometimes we need spiritual advice and we need to know the difference. And sometimes we need both. But it happened for a reason, but don't allow it to keep you stuck. You've got to learn how to respond appropriately so that it can become the tool. And that was the reason that God allowed it to be, begin with. So you have to allow it to become that tool that moves you forward. Because more than likely, what it is that you're really supposed to be doing in this earth, at least in one season or another of your life, it's tied to the adversity that you went through. Yeah, so much there. How does How does someone heal from that then? What do you recommend yeah. practically? I think the very first thing you do is you get counseling and not from your pastor. And I'm not <laughs> saying that we don't ever talk to our pastor, but I see that we, when you're going to someone for help, you have to go to someone who's been trained in what it is that you're experiencing. And depending on what it is that you're experiencing, your pastor may not have the practical strategies to give you to break that. Um, I, I say all the time, unless your pastors ran a business, why are you going to your pastor for business advice? He might be able to tell you what thus says the Lord, or he might be able to tell you that he's sensing that, yes, this is the time or it's not the time, but he can't help you do that. And so depending on how deep the wounds are, depending on um, what realm or category the the issue happened in, you may have to get someone that it has gone to school for that not just getting a spiritual download. I think you usually need both, but find either a coach, depending on what you're working on, find a coach or find a therapist that is trained in what it is that you're experiencing. That's the number one thing that you have to do because we have to have practical steps. And again, I'm a preacher, so I can talk bad about us if I want to. Um, many of us we get great downloads from God and we know what the Bible says, but we have a tendency to talk in concepts. We go to church and they tell us to surrender, but they don't tell us how to do that. They tell us to um, bask in God's presence, but I don't even know what bask means. I don't even know how to get in his presence. They tell us to abide, but nobody knows what that is. And so people who have been trained in the natural things, those of us who have been trained to be coaches and those of, of us who have been trained to be therapists, we know how to give you concrete, tangible things that you can start doing today instead of talking in abstract, conceptual ways. It just, it is what it is. It's who we are. 100%. That's why I'm so grateful. And Lori, you may feel the same way. I'm grateful that I started in the marketplace before I went to ministry oh, because yeah. I feel like there's so many more skills 
in the marketplace that are transferable to ministry versus those people that I know that have always been in ministry and they're now trying to get into the marketplace. They don't know like the pillars that it takes to be able to, to do what needs to be done. And so I'm grateful that the Lord dropped me in the marketplace before he dropped me in ministry so that I can, because listen, information is not what's going to change your life. I don't want you to be informed. I want you to be transformed. And the only way that I can do that is if I give you something to do with the information. And sometimes in church, we don't do that. We give them the information. We tell them the what and the why, but we leave out the how. So true. And I am 100% agreement with you. And I grew up heathen, so I didn't even have the church. Oh, I didn't either. Yeah. And, just, so. and let, let, let's go there for a second, because I know that for me, that's why I discounted what it was that the Lord was asking me to do. Because oh, yeah. I was like, ministry, first of all, I didn't grow up in church. And in my mind, this is what the enemy was using my little me thoughts to tell me. Well, you didn't grow up in church. That means you didn't go to Sunday school. And if you didn't go to Sunday school, that means you don't know the stories. And if you don't know the stories, then how are you going to minister to anybody? Because you know yourself, you get angry when you're listening to a sermon and they're like, you know, Jonah went up. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't know that he went up. I don't know if he went up or went down. I don't know how long he stayed. No, I don't know. So don't assume that everybody in your audience knows your story, right? Um, but when we've gone through something or when we haven't done something, when nothing, let me say it this way, when nothing in our past, thank you, God, when nothing in our past looks like the future that has been shown to us, we discount whether or not we heard it right or whether or not we're prepared for that. And I was like, minister, as much as I cuss and drink brown liquor and didn't go to Sunday school, like, what? <laughs> Is he talking to you? Me neither. <laughs> like, how many, you know, audience, how many of you can relate to that? Like, okay, I've got this new vision for myself, but nothing from my past and not a whole lot from my current looks anything like that vision. So surely that's maybe for 20 years from now or for somebody else. Maybe, maybe I heard that for my best friend, not me. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm so identifying with exactly everything you're saying. I, my husband, when we first, so we were, were saved and we were in our first few years of marriage. And he said, I really feel like God's calling me into ministry. And now we were both business professionals. And I said, oh no, we will not be broke. <laughs> <laughs> I shut that down. Yeah. Right. Listen. I'm not going to live like a pauper. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> well, and and yeah. And so, but you're right on is that what it looks like, what we're hearing, it's, there's that internal um, tension between, I think I'm hearing God, but nothing looks like what he's showing me. So, yeah. you know why? Because there's a difference between sight and vision. Mm, and so that. if I had, if I had a prayer for anyone that is listening right now, that I want you to ask God for, I want you to ask God to give you vision. Yes. And that's so important because we have to be able to trust what we see with our spiritual eyes, despite yes. what we see with our natural eyes. And so pray for God to give you vision. Yeah. Um, because I can tell you that even right now today, at the time of this recording, it's September 21st, 2023, and what it is that I've been told and what it is that I see with my spiritual eyes is not 100. It's more aligned now, but it's not 100% in alignment with what I see with my natural eyes. Yeah. I don't have all of the evidence of it other than my trust and my belief. And I can see every day that it comes together a little, a little bit more and a little bit more. But if you don't have vision 
and you're not willing to trust what it is that you see with your spiritual eyes, if you only trust what you see with your natural eyes, it's going to be very, very difficult Mm -hmm. for you to manifest what it is that God says you're going to have. Yeah. 100%. How does someone get spiritual vision then? What is your recommendation for them? Yeah. The eyes of their understanding. Correct. Number one, ask for it. Just like the Lord says, um, if you want more vision, ask for it, whatever it is that you need from God, ask for it. Number one, number two, trust that he will give you what you need when you need it. Um, and write the vision down and be so, how do I want to say this? When you know what your vision is, I want you to be committed to the the vision, but I don't want you to be attached to how you get there. Why do I say that? I say that you have to be open to the zigzag because you can have a vision and it can be very crystal clear and it can be very much so what God showed you. But if you're attached to how you're going to get there, who's going to get you there, who's going to go with you, exactly what it's going to look like, you're going to miss it because it never does. I don't know one person, including Jesus, (laughs) that was on the way to the vision that God gave them, that they got there in a straight line or they got there in the way that they thought they were going to get there. Let me tell you, letting go is one of the very first things that we have to do when God shifts us. And the most difficult thing to let go of is what we had in mind. Mm -hmm. So again, I want you to be committed to the vision, but I don't want you to be attached to the journey. You've got to be open to the zigzag. And if you're open to the zigzag, I can guarantee you that you will end up exactly where it is that you're supposed to be. But if you're going to be attached like with death grip of like, because we've all done there, like, but I went to school for this. And like, this is who I was supposed to marry. And this is what I was supposed to do. And this, oh, that's a great vision. And that's in alignment with what I did then. And, you know, there's, you know, there, there's a difference in seasons and purpose. So good. So much yeah. there too. Yeah. The shoulda, coulda, would have. And yeah. I to- we've been shooted on. I say all the time, like we've been shooted on S-H-U-L-D for the audio. We've yeah. been shooted on. We've let people tell us what we should do. We've told ourselves what we should do. And it's like, no, we have to be open to the zigzag because we don't ever really know what the journey is going to look like. We don't really know what the interruptions are going to look like. We don't really know what other people are going to do that's going to derail us or or take our eyes off of it. But I promise you that if we'll be open to that zigzag, when we look up one day, we're going to be like, oh, I'm here. I just didn't get here the way I thought I was going to get here. At least that's my life. I don't know about you. No, I used to, we used to live in Colorado. So we did a lot of mountain climbing and, you know, you see the summit where you're going, you're going to the top, but we had switchbacks. Yeah. And it was that zigzagging. And there were times where if the weather changed, you had to change direction and that pivot and that course correction. And one of the things too, that causes us to do the zigzagging is we get triggered past events that were negative that shaped us or the, the shoulds or the regrets or the disappointments, because we put an expectation in how that was supposed to look right. That can trigger us and then set us back a little bit, but setups or setbacks are just setups yeah. for growth. Yeah. So it, it's, it re, it, it's like, it, it's like it reopens the wound. Yes. And we do that in relationships too. Like if we, 
if we've been in a relationship, platonic or romantic, and there was something we didn't like about that relationship, we can meet someone else. And as soon as we think we see a glimmer of something that looks like that relationship that we know we no longer want to be a part of, at least I know me, I'm like, oh, I'm out. Yeah. Cut it out. I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important that what I have discovered when you talked about, we're not taught the practical applications. We're just taught, read your Bible, pray, and trust the process and trust it. And I'm like, do you even know what you're reading? Do you even understand the heart of God for you? Do you even know what it's like to be his daughter? But what I talk about is how we have to pull back and say, okay, God, what's really going on in my heart right now? Yeah. Because need drives behavior. So we've got to look at and identify, oh, I'm feeling rejected. What is that really? What's the story I'm telling myself? Like you said, we meet somebody that trigger something in us. And then we start to tell a story and we project and it's always negative, but we're really wanting something. And like you were saying at the very beginning, we can't look to people or places or things to give us what God wants to fill us. And I say, God wants to fill us, not fix us. Yeah. Fix our situation. Yeah. He wants to fill us with his love so that we're complete in him and lacking nothing, but that's a process. Well, and the only God can only fill and use empty vessels. And so when we're full of so much doubt and so much worry and so many things of the world and all the other things that we've talked about for the last, I don't know how long, there's no room for God to fill us. And so we first have to go through the process of emptying out all of those things that don't belong, emptying out all those things that we know we don't want to be part of our next chapter so that God can fill us. It's just like a cup. If my cup is filled all the way up to here, I don't care if somebody has 32 ounces of my favorite beverage. There's no room for it. And it's the same way with God. We have to be empty vessels. It's about, that's the capacity piece. Like, do you have the capacity for what it is that you want and for what it is that God is trying to take you? And if you're full of the world, if cares of the world and full of all of this junk, it doesn't matter what he has for you. You won't have the capacity for it and you'll get to heaven one day and it's just going to be in a box with your name on it. You're going to be like, I wish I could have had that. Yeah, that's so good. And being in business, we always had stretch goals, right? Yeah. Well, when we're being stretched spiritually, God is increasing our capacity to endure because he wants to take us to that next level. But if we only have just that little bit, he can only use that little bit. So that's that emptying to say, God, I lay this all at your feet. What do you want to show me? But we have to know that he's a good father and that he is for us and only has those good gifts for us, but it's a process of discovery. So I love, we could talk forever. And I know that for the sake of time, you've got things. We'll have to have you come back on. So yes, I would love that. is there anything else that you would say, given our conversation that the listener, they need to know this? Whatever Absolutely. This um, and then I want to give them a free gift. Yes. I want to say, increase your expectation because what you expect you get and what you don't expect you don't get. And that goes positively and negatively. There's a scripture in Proverbs and it says that your expectation will not be cut off. And so that means increase your expectation, but increase it in the direction of what it is that you expect to happen. I wish my mother would learn this. My mother will say things all the time, like watch and then I'll get over there and it'll be back up to $25. Oh yeah. And she's there and the price has gone back up to $25. It's because she expected that. 
Now she could have said, um, I'm expecting that when I get there, it's going to be, it's going to still be on sale. And when she got there, it would have been more likely to still be on sale. So what am I saying? Increase your expectation because expectation is a breeding ground for miracles. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, get off the sidelines, get in the game, uh, go back and listen to this, write all the things down, make two columns. Like these are the things on the left that I know I'm doing well, that Lori and Shannon would have talked about. These are the things on the right that I know that I need, I need to be a little bit more proficient and then go back and listen to what did we say do that. But I want to give everyone a free gift because I wrote this guide and it's called When God Says Shift. And inside that guide, it's going to have the four shifts that are going to be required because it doesn't matter where God is shifting you from or what it is that he's shifting you to. There are four shifts that are going to be required regardless. And they can get that um, at godsaysshift.com. That's godsaysshift.com. It's, it's completely free. There's no fluff because I don't really care if you're motivated and inspired. I hope that you were that before you got here. But in that guide, I'm going to jump straight into telling you the four shifts that you need to do when you feel like there's something that you need to be doing differently. Maybe it's somebody different that you need to become. Maybe it's something you need to do. Maybe somewhere God needs you to lead next. Whatever it is, that guide will will help get you there. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for that. And then yes, how sir. can people reach you on social media or website? Like what? What's yeah, the so the, the website is a godshift.com. Um, I'm most active on Instagram and it's also a godshift. Okay, awesome. And I'll put all that in the show notes. I made it easy. <laughs> yeah, that's, I love that. Would you pray for our listeners? Because yes. I know that what you've said, there's been so much nuggets and yeah, you're going to have to go back and re-listen to this and share this with your friends and family members because we're all here at if you're not here now, you're going to be here where yeah. you're going to need that God shift and that different perspective. So would you pray for our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the words that you have given us to say. I pray that they have resonated in the eyes and in the ears of the listeners. God, I ask that you will open their eyes to have vision and not just sight. And Lord, let them not listen to this and think that they need more clarity. Help them to see that what they really need is obedience. And I pray that you will give them the courage to be obedient to all of the nuggets that dropped into their mind, all of the ideas that they had while this was while they were listening to this episode, Father. I ask that you will Help them to take steps towards what it is that you are asking of them and what it is that you have for them, even when those steps are laced with uncertainty. I come against any doubts. I come against any confusion. Um, show them who they are. Show them who it is that you have created them to be so that they have no issues creating those I am statements. And God, I will be so excited to see what it is that you create in the lives of your people, because I know they're going to come back and they're going to tell Lori, after I listened to what it is that you and Shana had to say, look what God did, look what I built. And so God, we're grateful for that. We thank you for what it is that you're doing. We even thank you for what it is that you have allowed to happen in our lives. And we're excited to see what the future holds. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. Amen. 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 Well, thank you, Shana. I am so excited to meet you next week. And yes. I, um, I hope to have you back on the podcast to dive in deeper to some of the things that we talked about. So until next time, yeah, you were created to thrive.